0: Welcome to Baleros for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Erin Fraser.
1: And I'm Matt Bose. It's that time of year where we polish up our guns and light our cigarettes. It's November time. This year we are looking at a pair of films by Gayan Mukherjee, whose themes left a lasting impact on Hindi language cinema.
0: First up, 1943's Kismet. In which Ashok Kumar stars as a thief who falls in love with a disabled actress indebted to a greedy theater owner.
1: Then 1950's Sangram, in which Ashok Kumar again stars as a criminal on the lam from the police who takes refuge with his childhood sweetheart.
0: Before we begin, we would like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, home to First Nations and Métis people. Matt, as uh, we said in our intro, it's Noir Vember time. We uh, we You're do drinking this drinking
1: straight hooch right now.
0: Yes, we're finishing. In a room. <laughs> we're finishing up a bottle of sake we had opened for dinner. Uh, Matt, what, what's what's Noir Vember? We do this every year. What is this?
1: So Maria Gates, a uh, Twitter personality, old films flicker. I think is her ad on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I believe she's um, kind of leaving Twitter as. It slowly collapses under itself
0: yeah
1: uh but uh she started this thing called Noir November, which is where you try and watch a noir movie every day in november or you you know just try and watch some and appreciate them yeah a noir film is a crime film from the 40s and 50s that has morally ambiguous heroes and interesting visual stuff
0: not necessarily crime
1: yeah, you could um, probably a noir movie about an accountant if you wanted
0: to. Yeah, I mean, there's often crime elements in the films, uh, so yes. So we we do this every year. It started um, with uh, having friend of the show Neil Barnholden on uh, to discuss some some.
1: Devon and-
0: Bombay Noirs, I think we called it. Yeah, yeah. So the movies from the fifties, uh, years ago, and we've we've kept up the tradition because we are big fans of film noir uh, and neo noir. It's
1: so, a tough one to put together, though.
0: Yes, every year, every year we we go through uh, a series of of things that we say at the top of the episode uh, for this episode. We've been doing this for quite a while. Um, so first. Film noir is not a genre, despite what uh, one of the foremost directors working in neo-noir has recently said. Who was that? Uh, Park Chan-wook. Oh. He called it a genre recently. Um, that and, could
1: be a translation.
0: And also said that he wasn't interested in noir. It, it was a very, very weird quote. Um, he was, Even
1: though he directed Decision to Leave, which was great, and is definitely a noir.
0: Yeah, he was talking about Decision to Leave and said something about, like, I'm not interested in the noir genre, and I was like, sir... <laughs> First of all, you're one of the foremost (laughs) directors of the neo noir, and second of all, how dare you call noir a genre? So, Matt, if we again we do this every year, it's Uh, a mode, it's a mode, it's an aesthetic, it's a vibe, it's a vibe. Uh, So, the the concept of film noir was not something that filmmakers or Hollywood was aware of while they were making the films. It was a concept that was kind of um, articulated after the fact by French film critics in like Cahiers de Cinéma, who were watching uh, a great deal of American uh, films and started to put together the similar uh, aesthetics and morally ambiguous plot beats in these films.
1: And why did they watch them all that time?
0: Um, because of La Cinémathèque Francaise and coming out of the war.
1: Uh, yeah. So a lot of American movies got imported and they kind of were rushing in at the same time and like film students in the late forties and early fifties yeah. essentially like noticed a bunch of things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And again, kind of like post-war they were noticing these things. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, even though what, canonically the first one is Maltese Falcon and I think that's 41. So it, it
0: would, but they were watching them in watching them, France like, they were watching mm-hmm. them post war
1: but like you could say that the first one was made in the 40s it's just that no one put two and two together that this sort of movement was happening
0: yes what I meant when you were asking me kind of why they were watching these why the critics why the French yeah. critics were watching them it was because it was after World War II yeah, um, that's what I got. Yes. I saying, yeah. okay cool we're on, so on the same page alright <laughs> um so yeah, so it stretches uh, for the majority of the forties into the early fifties. Um, we've seen many, many films noir over the years.
1: Yeah, it's films noir. That's how you, <laughs> you want to impress your friends. Because noir is the adjective and yeah. films, the film is the noun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So and and we're we're still saying
1: noir films. Which doesn't sound as weird in English.
0: We are still uh, catching up um, with films noir from the classic period. We watched Detour earlier this year. It was, it was great. I'd never seen it before. Um,
1: so a real uplifting film. Yes. <laughs> a tight 85 minutes.
0: Over the course of this series, we have discussed films that have come out in the 50s all the way to contemporary films. Uh, so while film noir, I think, overarching is a mode that you find in American and British filmmaking, not so much that I I don't know if you can truly call The original noirs. noirs. I don't know if you can truly call anything made outside of kind of the Hollywood English language system, uh, a true noir. Because again, like The Third Man is a British film. Uh, But I'm very excited because in this episode we are going to be discussing films made in Bombay during the classic film noir period yes and so these are films that i think we can see incorporating film noir elements are they necessarily full-on film noir that is something we can discuss um, but these are not films that i think are made in a reaction to noir and the majority yeah. of what we've been able to discuss in this series has been made in a reaction to noir uh, other than kind of the first episode where we discussed uh, Bozzy and CID. Hero. And we're going to be discussing the oldest film we've ever discussed on the show ever yeah. this this time around. Um, so I guess, is there anything anything you want to say about noir, about neo-noir, about this series before before we get into it? I would say one of the things we always say at the top of the show is just how difficult this series is to put together. And it's not because these filmmaking modes weren't... Happening in, in Indian filmmaking, in, in, in Hindi language filmmaking in the 40s and 50s, it's just because access to those films...
1: With subtitles.
0: With subtitles is often very difficult. And so this episode, like last year's episode, I'm really indebted to, to Tommy Dan on YouTube. We are... Very grateful for the transfers he's put up on. I assume it's to him because Tommy Dan, but I don't know. I we are really indebted to the transfers that they've put up on YouTube and with,
1: subtitle track.
0: Yeah, really high quality transfers of Great 40s, yeah. 50s, 60s films yeah. with subtitles. If you're interested, some of in, them are hard
1: coded, but like some, like they would have had to make that track themselves. Yeah. Which is a lot of work
0: yeah we're we're very grateful and you know because of that YouTube channel're we're, we're able to continue this series and not kind of go the more neo noir net route
1: which we've done lots of times
0: which we've done lots of times and it's really not not our preference for this annual episode yeah yeah
1: um, when you talk about noir and it's sort of like going from country to country I always find that to be kind of challenging mm-hmm. any kind of Artistic transference like that, it's hard for me to imagine that. I get it in France, because the Americans, you know, helped liberate France, mm-hmm. and then they were seen as a completely brand new market and just brought in all kinds of movies. Mm-hmm. Where it gets a little bit specious reasoning for me is like, yeah, Gyan Mukherjee was up on his Hollywood 40s films as well and was incorporating these. Like, yeah. we could see that. It's it's so difficult unless you're, um, I think Manto like kept a good list of all the movies he watched. Mm-hmm. And then that's been passed down to us because he's a writer. But like it's so difficult to tell this director watched this movie yeah. and was influenced by it. It's more like it was just in the air.
0: Well, and I, and I can like see, it, and I'm sure we'll get to this, but I can see just as many kind of references to 30s gangster films in these two films that we're going to yeah. discuss that I do to kind of the, the noir aesthetic from the 40s. Yeah. And, and again, I, at the time that these movies were coming out, people weren't compartmentalizing them in the same way that we are
1: now. Well, I'm just wondering like how many of those, maybe, Mukherjee probably speaks English or did. So he could have, if he got a hold of The Maltese Falcon or something, he probably could have watched it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if your average person would have been able to do that. That's something that was good about the silent films, actually, is that mm-hmm. when they released in other countries, they would just put intertitles that match that country's language. Yeah. So I think that there's actually... Silent
0: a, movies were really easy to translate and distribute globally.
1: Yeah, and they also didn't have as many words. Yeah. But, like, when you get into the talkies, like, we can we can try and pinpoint these as part of a movement or as influenced by a movement, but we really will never know. No.
0: Yeah.
1: It's... It, once you get to the neo-noirs and they're self-conscious about it, then, yeah, you could say... Shri Ramaragaran makes Mm -hmm. neo-noir films. And you can often pinpoint his references almost exactly, because he'll have to just put the movie in there. Mm -hmm. And Johnny Goddard, he's watching some Amitabh Bachchan movie. But, like, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. We don't know if Keanu Mukherjee knew he was making noir, but really, that would be the most noir thing to do.
0: Oh, for sure. Uh, And I think, again, we use this annual episode as a jumping-off point to explore... uh, our interest in these themes and aesthetics in, in cinema mm-hmm. um, and, and you know to be part of, the, part of that November conversation yeah, she but usually retweets us there's always you know a bit of an asterisk on this because mm-hmm. um, again 1943 which is um, the year Kismet came out the first film we're going to discuss Yeah, no one, no, one said, no one knew the term film noir it hadn't been invented yet <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but there, there
1: was, po- well, like, mid-war anxiety,
0: yeah.
1: pre-partition anxiety, mm-hmm. like, garage anxiety. Mm-hmm. There's lots of things going on that's going to be reflected in art. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the mobilization was like in India, but one of the big things in American film noir is men coming home from the war and feeling kind of emasculated because women were able to get along without them or, mm-hmm. or sleeping around with other guys, maybe. Well, so, like... There isn't a lot of that in these movies, but that's the sort of things you can pinpoint in American noir. Mm -hmm. I think in these, there's definitely uh, the interplay between childhood and adulthood and your parents. I don't think I'd ever seen anyone's parents in a noir movie outside of India. Never, like they might as well just exist, thirty-seven years old with a drink. Other than like, other than like,
0: well, or like. The the dame's dad. Like I think um is it Laura no not Laura. The big sleep. Yeah. I think her dad's But around. like you never see the
1: main character's dad. No, no. Unless, you know, he's also a heartbitten criminal or something. Yeah. So like this is a more classic Hindi film theme of family. Yeah. And that is translated to their crime pictures as well. These are definitely crime pictures. Our mm-hmm. lumping them in with noir. That's us staking our clay. <laughs>
0: Well, and again, this, um, this annual episode and series, I think allows us to kind of revisit these ideas and these themes every year in a a way that I, I really enjoy because I like crime movies and I like film noir and I like old movies. Uh, so yeah, so I always, I always get excited for this. Okay. Uh, So, before we get into these films, I thought we'd talk a bit about, um, I just have a bit here about Gayan Mukherjee and about Ashok Kumar. Uh, So, Gayan Mukherjee was obviously a director and screenwriter. Uh, His first film, Gita, came out in 1940, and it was a crime doesn't pay film.
1: So that would be like your classic American gangster.
0: Classic American gangster, yes. And I think um, you can kind of see, as I'll describe a bit about his films, uh, they always had like a very clear thematic hook um, that, to me, seems, again, coming from, yeah, American gangster films, for sure, very similar stuff. Uh, so, Kismet came out in 1943. It was the biggest hit of his career. Uh, and we will get to it. Very important film in Bollywood and Indian film history. His films were known for their underworld settings and their anti heroes. Guru Dutt trained under him, and in fact, Piyasa is dedicated to Mukherjee. And Kagaz Ke Fool is considered an homage. To Mukherjee, uh, which came out in 1959 because Mukherjee passed away in his mid-40s in 1956.
1: Probably all the cigarettes and booze. Yes,
0: (laughs) presumably. Um, But really one of um, the early auteurs of Indian cinema. Mm -hmm. Moving to Ashok Kumar, he started out as a lab assistant at Bombay Talkies in the
1: 1930s. Which is where both these movies... This is like the brief studio system, which is interesting. Yeah. We haven't really been able to see a lot of those.
0: Yeah. Uh, he was cast in his first film in 1936, Jeeva Naya. And this is fascinating. Uh, the original lead of the film eloped with the female star who happened to be the owner of Bombay Takis' wife. Mm. <laughs> She returned, but obviously they were going to le- recast the lead, and it fell to Ashok Kumar.
1: So it's a real stupid <laughs> Queen, the getaway type thing.
0: Uh, the, the getaway?
1: Isn't that where he stole Robert Evans? Robert Edmonton, Oh, Robert,
0: well, Ali no, Robert? well, no. So like the original lead that they had cast eloped with the with the lead actress. Yeah. She came back, and. And again, they weren't—they were going to allow him. Yeah,
1: to, it's generally yeah. a bad idea to screw around with the studio head's uh, girlfriend/slash wife.
0: Yeah, I agree. Not that I've ever been this, in this guy's that situation. This guy's
1: loss is Ashok Kumar's gain.
0: Yes, and I—I I, I mean, I guess people didn't think he had what it—what it took at first. He's.
1: Um, so it's early on in you know cinema that like having an interesting face might almost be better because he's not like a classic pretty boy. We almost, no. I, mean, I, I think he looks like Edward G. Robinson.
0: I think he's a bit like Edward G. Robinson crossed with... Um,
1: you said Joe Shishido. Joe
0: Shishido, thank you. I was about to go chipmunks.
1: <laughs> and he does in a chipmunk face. Yeah. But, uh, like, you don't need to have, you know, abs. No. <laughs> this, is, this is a time when a guy just working at Bombay Talkies could be a movie star.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, he, so he So, Ashok Kumar is a st- stage name. He was established as a bankable star in 1941 with Jula, which is also directed by Mukherjee. And then in 1943, with Kismet's success, he became India's first superstar.
1: He continued. I saw some news in this that I really like. Okay. Keep going
0: uh he continued um to be a star well into the 50s he often played swabs cigarette smoking criminals or police officers
1: i like the cigarette holder that he was rocking in yes uh,
0: okay i know exactly what you saw because i put this in here just for you he and prawn were best friends amazing (laughs) yes yeah i think they were in something like 25 movies together
1: it's fantastic yeah love prawn gotta start the prawn cast
0: I, we, we really we really need to do a prawn episode. <laughs> yeah,
1: the most niche podcast of all time, the prawn cast.
0: Uh, he enjoyed a long career as a character actor, kind of after his leading actor days were over. His last film was in 1997, and it passed away at 90 in 2001.
1: Considering maybe he's smoking herbal cigarettes or something, <laughs> but in every single scene, I think of all these movies. He even jumps into a river at one point he loses <laughs> smoke, but like, he's just chain smoking darts the whole time yeah so it's amazing you lived to 90.
0: Yeah uh yeah so that's just a bit about Guyan Mukherjee and Ashok Kumar who you know are two important figures in the early days of Hindi language filmmaking.
1: And I think we've seen a few movies with Ashok Kumar in them but like mm-hmm. nothing where he was the main guy.
0: No no so yeah ready to get into kismet? Sure. Okay Kismet came out in 1943. It means destiny. Uh, I just have a note not to be confused with the 1944
1: Marlena Dietrich film. So that makes me wonder when the term Kismet became like known in the English world.
0: Well, the Dietrich film is based on a stage play that is earlier. So, and and that has been adapted many times. Huh, um, but yeah, just. Just throwing it out there, two completely different things, not at all related.
1: So yes, Marlene Dietrich did not show up in
0: this film. I, oh, but can you, ima- can cool you imagine? Though.
1: I would have liked
0: it. I love Dietrich. Uh, so as I said, directed by Guy Mukherjee, starring Ashok Kumar, Mumtaz Shanti, Shah Nawaz, P.F. Pithawala, Kanu Roy, and David. Oh, of course, David. David. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, this is the first Big hit of Hindi language cinema, and it is India's first blockbuster.
1: It only took us eight years to get to it.
0: Yeah. So it was the first Indian film to gross $10 million at the box office. I assume that's in, like, rupees. The the, the source on Wikipedia didn't actually say the currency. Uh, and it ran for 187 continuous weeks in Crazy. Calcutta. That's, that's it was fun. a record um, that lasted for 32 years.
1: So Big it lasted deal. until... Nineteen seventy-five. Yeah. Sholay?
0: I'm not. No, I think Sholay is a little later.
1: I'm not sure. Uh, Diwar or something like that. I'm, I'm
0: not, not sure, sure what unseated it, but this would this movie was a huge deal. Yeah. It's a very big deal. Uh, it Established Ashok Kumar as a star, as I already said. It's one of the earliest examples of the lost and found genre that I becomes. Think I can
1: say what that is. Very I, popular yeah. in
0: Hindi language cinema. Do you want to explain?
1: Uh, usually, the main character is an orphan or something. He's often played by Amitabh Bachchan and ends up like rooming with his parents and doesn't know who they are or they're like a cop or something. And eventually over the course of the movie, you know, they find out who actually who, who this child belongs to.
0: Yeah, I think Amr Akbar Anthony is probably the easiest film we can point to that has a very yeah. strong lost and found theme. Uh, I I love this because it's such a it's such a Hollywood thing. Uh, the film was accused of glamorizing crime and negatively influencing the youth. Oh, No,
1: <laughs> not the youths.
0: Not the youths. I mean, we've already established Mukherjee likes the crime does not pay <laughs> yeah. theme.
1: Although, spoiler alert, it kind of does pay in this one. Mm. Definitely doesn't pay in Saagar, but this one. Kind yeah, it works out
0: okay. Well, that's why it is crime, Matt. Yeah,
1: they should have been shot.
0: <laughs> the song Aj Himalay Ki Choti Se" apologies for that pronunciation um, became a very popular nationalism, like a like a song about nationalism.
1: This is pre India being its own country. Exactly,
0: this is 1943. So the song came out shortly after Gandhi's Quit India Movement. Uh, and while it initially got past the British censors due to its anti-German and Japanese lyric... <laughs>
1: those are great. Never been, no one cares about those.
0: Um, the message was very clear to the Indian audiences, and eventually arrest warrants were issued for writer Kabi Pradeep and composer Anil Baswas.
1: I mean, there is a giant... Like, the stage curtain has a giant India map body. Yeah. It, it is fairly clear that uh, what it's about.
0: Yeah. So do you want to set up the plot for the film for us, Matt?
1: Uh, Sure. Let's see if I remember everything. Uh, Ashok Kumar plays a charismatic pickpocket who, I thought this was an interesting touch and maybe not the greatest criminal scheme, but always has like distinctive headgear on. (laughs) And it would be really... I
0: actually read something about that. (laughs) Um, So he always has a turban on compared to kind of what... It seems like he
1: just came from a wedding.
0: Well, yeah, compared to kind of what the the cops and kind of other officials in the films are wearing, and they have more British headgear. and So, so the, he's
1: self-consciously being very Indian. Yes. Ah, okay.
0: Or he's, self, or he's being coded as, you know, Indian mm-hmm. of the people, et cetera.
1: Uh, he's a three-time loser, and at the beginning of the movie gets uh, kicked out of jail after, I thought, maybe getting arrested at a wedding, but, uh, <laughs> you know, apparently this headgear is very important. And, uh, yeah, he immediately starts stealing things again. Mm -hmm. He steals an old man's watch, or locket, I guess, and uh, takes it to his pawn shop buddy. And later on, the old man shows up and tells him a sob story about how his stuff was stolen. And Ronnie is dancing, or singing, at the local theater, and he wants to go see that. And the old guy...
0: The old guy wants to go see it. The old guy wants to go
1: see that, and, you know, our show goes along for the ride. Uh, he watches the show, which is the song you just mentioned, and really likes it, and it's quite taken with Ronnie, and figures out immediately that uh, the old guy is her dad, and he was a stern taskmaster, and she broke her foot while he wouldn't let her... He used to own in the theater, basically, mm-hmm. and the guy running it now used to be a servant, and she broke her foot after practicing too much, and he just became a drunk. mm mm-hmm. um, he kind of ingratiates himself with Ronnie as well as her family. And over the course of the story, there's, what, two marriages, lots of intrigue, backstabbing, find out who people are. It's, you know, the classic lost and found. hmm Yeah. Uh,
0: That's pretty much the plot.
1: Yeah, I mean, this movie is almost exactly 80 years old. So there's a lot of tropes in it that have been repeated throughout the years. Um, and yeah, uh, it won't surprise you that the rich guy needs kind of a dick because they always are, but he you know, kind of comes around. Uh, this one has a fairly happy ending though uh, once everyone's parentage is revealed mm-hmm. and uh, the two, uh, Ronnie and her sister, they live in this house that the rich guy who runs the theater owns and he's like, Clamping down on them for more rent, and they can't afford it, and Ashok joins the house, and he uses his gambling skills to help pay for stuff, and that's where the romance happens. Um, Yeah, it's it's a story that we've seen before, but I guess this is the first time.
0: Yeah, everything's kind of settled neatly by the end of the film, Mm -hmm. Um, which... Makes it feel not as noir as, as, as the next film. Yes. Um, but, again, this is, this is 1943. Um yeah. and, and when you think about kind of Mukherjee ha- having made previous films and the crime doesn't pay mode.
1: Which we uh, we should probably explain. It's like Little Caesar or the one you'd recognize more recently, Scarface. Mm-hmm. Both versions where which seems- gangsters rise to power and then eventually... <laughs> Uh, he gets shot and, you know, crime didn't pay, even though for a long time, it really did.
0: I think you can see the influence of those films that you just mentioned a bit more on St. Rom, which we'll get to potentially, because again, we are speculating. Yeah. Um, but this idea of crime not paying is kind of an important one in uh, the history of censorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so...
1: There's a picture, right? Thou shall not...
0: Yes. So the Hays code um was kind of this, this self-censorship imposed in Hollywood uh, through kind of the classic Hollywood era to avoid government censorship where they just kind of had a list of things you could not show and and they one had of an
1: extremely sexy picture that showed here's all the things you can't do. And but wouldn't you want to?
0: And one of the things is kind of Crime. Cri- you can't glamorize crime. You can't show people how to commit crimes. Well, you can glamorize
1: it. It's just that the guy at the end has to die.
0: Has to be punished. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you you see a similar thing in um, comics with the Comics Code Authority. Yeah. Um, and like a whole a whole genre of comics that are just kind of like before superheroes kind of really cemented their hold on. American comics you have these comics where they just kind of like these true crime comics where they just tell you like this is how this person committed a crime and then they show you and then at the end they're like but this person was jailed because yeah. crime does not pay.
1: yeah um, it's, it's an interesting like that would easy comics did that a lot mm-hmm. and it was a way to get away with like a bunch of gruesome murder uh, sex all kinds of good stuff taking yeah. drugs uh, but it, as long as I got the main characters dead at the end you can do whatever you want yeah
0: so what's interesting here is that Kumar is not punished at all
1: no he gets away <laughs>
0: he's a very he's like he's a very charismatic thief who falls in love with a woman um he he turns he, his life around he turns his life around he helps her out you know she is disabled and he, he feels uses his
1: crimes for good
0: yeah he he feels compelled to uh, steal jewelry so that he can get a doctor. So, so that he funny. can pay a doctor to help with her, her ailment. It's
1: funny because like every scene is just like oh I wish I had that necklace I had to pawn. Oh I wish I had 50 bucks to cover this. And then, like, she'll come out I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go do some crimes and uh, help you out with that. And then, yeah, only at the end is she like, yeah. you did crimes?
0: Something else I found really fascinating is that Ronnie, the love interest, her sister Leela, is having a child out of wedlock. and
1: Yeah, you would never see that.
0: Yeah, and yes, there are a lot of conversations around, like how she needs to get married because what will people think what you know like the repercussions of this but the film doesn't punish her either no
1: exactly. so i can
0: i can kind of see where these criticisms of the film glamorizing crime and you know influencing the youth negatively were coming from because compared to compared to the mode that we are used to seeing yeah in the 40s film
1: noir uh (laughs) Not in the same way as gangster movies, but often because of their fatalistic, nihilistic approach. Yeah. The main character usually dies or is at least very depressed, doesn't get the girl, like... Yeah. Or if he's, like, a detective or something, like, it's just another case or the girl dies or something. So, in this, where it's wrapped up nicely with a few weddings and uh, everyone knows who's everyone's dad, like... That is certainly different. What I would say this probably has the most to do with more apart from the setting, is some of the visual style. Yeah. Uh, there's...
0: Very good low-key lighting.
1: Low-key lighting, which is um, also known as chiaroscuro.
0: No, it's not known. Well, chiaroscuro is where you kind of have beams of light coming through.
1: Yeah. Um, low-key lighting is when it's a low-key light, which is a kind of light like that's usually put at the character's feet, and it bounces a bunch of, like, kind of... The edge of the person's face is visible. Yeah. It's not like... It's
0: very high contrast. I mean, Chirisguro is very high contrast as well, but they are different things. But
1: there's a lot of scenes in this with, like, breaking into people's houses and Mm -hmm. stealing stuff. And it's shot in that sort of style. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether or not this is intentional, we don't know. But it could also be, like... Maybe the cinematographer was reading American Cinematographer that month and saw, oh, I see that this film Rufifi, which wasn't out yet, I don't know, something from the forties, was like ah, this is a way to show your crime pictures and it'll look crackerjack, and maybe that's what they did, or you know, like in the in, in the ball in the Hollywood noirs, it could be not having any money and mm-hmm. wanting to make it look cool, and hiring some German people. I did notice that. I think it's Sangram. One of them did have a German-named uh, cinematographer.
0: Oh, interesting. So that could
1: be almost a direct link. I think his name is Joseph something. You'll look it up.
0: It's Sangram. It's um Josef mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, German cinematographer who became a pioneer in cinematography in India. Very interesting. He worked with the other German, um, Franz Austin, um, who I read... A bit about um, because because he works on Jevi Naya, uh, which was Ashoka Kumar's first film.
1: Yeah, and I remember reading that some like UFA types mm-hmm. uh, decamped to India. Uh, so UFA was the German film studio, and when the Nazis took over in Germany, a lot of personnel left, and a lot went to the states, and you know started lighting their mm-hmm. crime movies, and some of them went to India. Uh, and it, I remember this was in Divyesh Mukherjee's Bombay Hustle, mm-hmm. where I remember reading that. So that was kind of the maybe the real link that I thought of with these two films.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's again this is Sangram, not Kismet, but it is notable because
1: it's Bombay talkies. They were both shot there. Yeah. So like, and again, the notable like because some who knew how to do it
0: because of the way that um, German filmmaking influences film noir.
1: Yeah, there's a whole cycle. There's a direct link. German Expressionism to Film Noir. Yeah. And yeah, it's that sort of, you know, low budget and using whatever you got on hand and using the absence of light to make something look cool. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: So yeah, Yeah. that was a fun little nugget.
0: So the thing I find interesting here is, and again, this is is us not saying um, that this is exactly how it worked that we totally know um Mercury's influences because we don't
1: um like the original people who thought of film noir in the first place we're just pointing at a bunch of movies and saying look they're the
0: same um but as people who have studied the history of film um, and and have a rather um global I'm not gonna say we have a global perspective, but the global
1: appetite for
0: sure. Global appetite for sure. And I think the 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 education that you and I received in film history is relatively global compared to kind of other other schools of thought. And and I guess I think about like um that Mark Cousins um The history of cinema project, um, which kind of felt like it was a reaction to um, history projects that are really focused on Hollywood. You and I were very fortunate in that we had a relatively well rounded um, world cinema approach, however, still kind of slants of Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, kind of, we haven't spent as much time learning about the early years of Indian filmmaking. we reading books about it.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, but we've spent a lot of time learning about kind of the early years of many other film cultures, not just Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, all I'm trying to say is this is me speculating and making a statement that could very well be false, yeah. um, but just based on my experience in putting together the trajectory of these things. What I find really interesting about Kismet is it kind of seems like an attempt to, and a successful attempt. um, This this is a good movie. It's uh, an enjoyable
1: film. I would say it's too long, maybe too many songs, but I'll say that about almost any old movie.
0: Well, and also like the pace of it is a bit slower um, for us, we don't understand the language, and so I think it's just maybe a bit harder for us to get into. However, we did still really enjoy it, and you know, I can I can kind of see why it was a big hit. Um, but it's the it's the earliest film
1: we watch for the we've show.
0: watched for the show. Um, but what I was going to say is, from my perspective, it looks like Mukherjee kind of taking the themes of hollywood crime films and indianizing them Mm -hmm. and that's what i find really interesting about the film
1: by adding parents
0: by adding parents and by adding kind of like the need to wrap things up with um marriages um and then kind of yeah that anti-colonial sentiment the anti oh yeah yeah and again like Amazing that that got through the
1: censors. Yeah, well, I don't know what they were smoking that day.
0: Well, it's because there's a whole line about you know like the German and the Japanese, and that's who the yeah, real bad guys. That's not, who, not the English. That's who the Brits were fighting at the time. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's interesting to kind of see uh, I think themes and values that we're really familiar with in Bollywood. And kind of married to sensibilities that feel a bit more kind of Hollywood to us.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting movie. I'm glad we watched it. Um, nice to see Ashok Kumar in a starring role. I can see why he was a star. Um, like I said, he was unconventional. He's not ugly, but like... No. He's not like a chisel. I mean,
0: you're comparing him to Edward G. Robinson. That says something.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, Edward G. Robinson is also not ugly, but he's definitely like a type. Yeah. But it's interesting that... The guy who would be, you know, well, he was Little Caesar, uh, but mm-hmm. he was also, like, the insurance investigator in Double Indemnity. Or, like, not always the big matinee hero. Yeah. That guy goes on to be the big matinee hero in India. Yeah. I think that's fascinating. I wonder if they met. That'd be cool. So our song is what you were mentioning earlier, Aj Se, uh, which is basically Brits Get Out. आजिमाला की चोटी से फिर हमने ललकारा है आजिमाला की
0: चोटी से फिर हमने ललकारा है दूर हटो दूर हटो दूर हटो ऐ दुनिया वालों हिंदुस्तान हमारा है दूर हटो ऐ दुनिया वालों हिंदुस्तान हमारा है
1: This episode of Bollywoodish for Lovers is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic, to say the least. Alberta Blue Cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time and on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business, and Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. This episode is also brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation's Well-Endowed podcast. On episode 134, RISE, uh, the Well-Endowed podcast meets Hayat el Osamani and Nunu Desagne, two incredible community leaders here in Edmonton. Nunu and Hayat were recognized for their community work at the 2022 RISE Awards. The RISE Awards are presented by the Edmonton Mennonite Center for Newcomers, to recognize immigrant success in uh, Edmonton. So and Nunu received the Community Leadership Award, sponsored by the Edmonton Community Foundation. Uh, This award recognizes newcomers who demonstrate a commitment to community engagement with the goal of creating a more welcoming and inclusive community for all. Since 2003, the RISE Awards have celebrated newcomers who've built strong communities through social, cultural, and economic development. Uh, To listen to this episode of the Well Endowed podcast, Check out the well So that was A Chimele Ki Se from Kismet. But now we're going to talk about a movie that is suspiciously similar <laughs> called Sangram. Uh, Sangram came out in 1950, also directed by Gion Mukherjee, and features a Shokumara gang, Nalini Jaiwant. Saijan and Nawab as well as Shashi Kapoor. Really? Is he a kid?
0: Shashi Kapoor plays young Ashok Kumar. Yeah. I didn't recognize him.
1: Little Shashi (laughs) tends to just show up in the background of things. Yeah. He must have been like a pretty successful child actor. (laughs) He's in some big movies. Yeah. Um, So this movie um, where Kismet is a lost and found film. This one... Doubles down on that premise to something we see a lot. Mm -hmm. In fact, we've seen it like four or five times in the Amitabh Bachchan cycle. Where not only is like the child lost to his parents, he usually goes on to become a criminal or a cop. Mm -hmm. Whereas his parents are the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's usually like the kid becomes a criminal um, and the parents are cops. Well, the dad's cops. Mom doesn't really figure into any of these scenarios. Uh, but
0: Really doesn't figure into this scenario. Definitely. She's
1: dead in this one. But, uh, yeah. the uh, You know, without knowing, the child ends up becoming the very thing his father hates the most. A mm-hmm. filthy criminal.
0: Yes. Yes. So this is kind of um, a precursor or maybe kind of one of the first examples of this theme of the kind of cop father, criminal son. Yeah. Yeah. Crime cop. <laughs> crime cop. I think crime cop's a bit of a different thing.
1: Well, that's a cop who has to commit crimes because being <laughs> yeah. a cop is illegal. Yeah. Close. Yeah.
0: No. This is this is more about the dichotomy of yeah. Where did I go wrong in raising in My son? In a
1: movie, typically this character it, it may not become a cop by the end, but is like a hero who is you know doing the law mm-hmm. after finding the error of his ways. Whereas this one definitely does not happen.
0: Yeah, this is the n- this is the nihilism and the fatalism that I look for in noir.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so Ashok Kumar, here he plays a criminal. Uh, when he was a... Oh, well, Shashi
1: Kapoor played him as a child.
0: Sorry, sorry, Shashi Kapoor starts out... Well, I mean, he starts out as like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually it was Shashi Kapoor and then Ashok Kumar. Like
1: most people, this um, character started as a baby. <laughs>
0: Uh, so Ashok Kumar's character, his mother dies when he is a child and he's raised by his cop father, uh, who dotes on him, a cop dad, uh, who dotes on him and spoils him. And this has led to Ashok Kumar being a, an entitled, an entitled asshole, really. Um, he shoots and, another
1: kid. Yes. Like he gets in an argument with someone and he pulls out his dad's gun and shoots him. Yeah. And his dad comes in. And basically, like, arrest the kid for being shot. Yeah. It's wild.
0: Yeah. Um, so he's been incredibly spoiled. And as a result, when he grows up, he becomes a criminal. He runs a gambling den. Uh, One of the
1: better kind of dens.
0: <laughs> the cops come and raid it. And he ends up on the lam. He's injured and kind of ends up on the lam. Well, they also robbed the a jewelry store, too. Yes. There's a lot of jewelry
1: robbery. Yeah, lots of <laughs> jewelry, jewelry in robbery of these in these movies, both, actually,
0: yeah. in both these movies. Um, eventually, he hooks up uh, with uh, Nalanie uh who is his childhood best friend. He, I, I, I don't think he recognizes her at first. Like he's carrying around a photo of her. Um, he eventually puts two and two together. She definitely doesn't recognize him.
1: Unlike in the prior movie, his dad clocks him. Immediately. Yes, immediately. From the back of his head. He doesn't even see his face. He's just like that. That's my son over there.
0: Yeah. But he's injured. He makes up a bunch of lies uh to her as to why he's on the run and she believes them all. He beat
1: up a he beat up a hoodlum who had besmirched the honor of a woman.
0: And then later it's a completely different story. Like yeah. and she she believes him, she goes along with this. Um eventually it comes out that like she was his childhood friend and like who he is and who his dad is um, but you know criminal's gonna crime
1: <laughs> criminal's
0: <laughs> gonna crime it's true and uh, he ends up you know
1: like in the eventually, last episode, as we learned some people are just born criminals
0: yeah eventually getting arrested escaping uh, he wants to get married to his childhood sweetheart uh, and it ends in kind of him and her hold up in uh, a house where there's a there's a shootout and uh here we learn crime really doesn't pay because his dad has to shoot him
1: and it's Mohini's house the lounge singer at his sleazy gambling den who also was in love with him yes uh this pretty uh you know sleazy
0: it is sleazy. And this to me, I think, uh, midway through there's a lot of songs and they're really songs. they're really front loaded. Yeah. Um, and midway through I think we were really questioning like if we'd made some really terrible choices for November. And then the last like the last minutes, kind of yeah. twenty minutes of this film Really brought it home, and I was I was really reminded of of Scarface, not the De Palma film, yeah. the Hawks film. The I was Paul really, Muni. yeah, I was really m- reminded of Paul Muni Scarface. I was also
1: thinking White Heat, any of those like yeah. Last Stand type movies. Yeah, because, which yeah. I, I mean, this is a spoiler for a which movie that are came out 72 more 72 years ago, but he goes down in a hill of bullets.
0: Yeah, and his dad his has, dad has shoot oh, to shoot him. Oh my god. Yeah. Um and. And I mean, like, I did feel more of a 30s gangster kind of influence on this than I did um, the aesthetics of noir, but there still are, like, because again, we have this German cinematographer. That makes so much sense now. Yeah. Well, I I didn't clock that, you clocked that. That makes so much sense now because there are, you know, we had talked about how this film was visually a lot more interesting than Kismet.
1: Yeah, there was, like, dolly shots and you'd be kind of moving through... A staircase or something. yeah right There'd be the pillars blocking way or interesting camera angles looking up and down. Very similar to other noir films. I don't know, maybe Sri Ram Raghavan has, I wouldn't put it past him, but I don't know if I've ever if I've ever seen a Dutch angle shot in any Hindi Noir. Uh, a Dutch angle shot yeah. is when, basically... Well, in uh, neo-noirs,
0: like, probably. I think there's probably one in Black Friday, but yeah. not in the classic stuff, I don't think.
1: Well, that, that's all handheld, too. I don't know yeah. if the counts as a Dutch angle when it's handheld. But essentially, okay. if you're watching a movie and then it seems to... Like, the camera seems to go diagonal, mm-hmm. that's a Dutch angle. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember why it's called Dutch, but it's usually put in there to, like, show... The characters being off kilter, or some weird thing has like thrown them for a loop, mm-hmm. and I don't think I've ever seen one in a Hindi movie. But this one had lots of interesting lighting, and like the camera moved around in a pleasant way. Yeah. So yeah, you can see that Mukherjee and his uh, um, DP were learning some new stuff and playing around.
0: Yeah, I really liked this. I I really liked both of these films. Um, this one dragged a bit more in the beginning, but kind of the last 20 minutes really brought it together for me and I really liked it.
1: You don't need a movie, no, you don't need a song in a movie talking about how fun it is to be a child. Uh, we also did not have subs on the songs for this, so we kind of made up. Oh yeah, we did. (laughs) We assumed like, oh, it's fun to be a kid or it's nice to go on a boat. Those are the songs that we saw.
0: Or I'm Driving at Night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was actually, that was a really nice thing about Kiss Mad, is that they did subtitle the songs. Um, that one. We don't expect that when we watch a film that old, so it was really nice.
1: That one, uh, when we were looking at it, the subs are hard-coded. And I was guessing from the quality of the print that it had been transferred from VCR. Yeah. Uh, for VHS. And this one, uh, you could definitely tell that it was print because there was... Like warping and stuff, and like Tommy Dan does a great job, but you know, yeah, it's probably 70 years old. There's yeah. gonna be some issues, and you know, and the subs in that one were done through YouTube, so mm-hmm. I mean, we appreciate both of the ways of doing it, and you just happy to be able to see these things. But um, that was my guess is that the other one was from a VHS tape,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, oh, that's fair, but yeah, I, I liked both of these, um, and it was, I mean, we haven't seen any other. Guyan Mukherjee films, but just kind of seeing the the progression in themes uh, from film to film. There's a lot of similarities between these two, and I Escalation, really, though. yeah, oh, for sure. And I I really appreciated that this one this one went far more nihilistic because that's kind of what I'm looking for. I sit yeah. down to watch an old crime or film noir like i I'm looking for. I'm looking for defeatism. I'm looking for nihilism. Uh, is that a weird thing to admit? I mean, it's
1: weird enough that you like film noir, so like, that's the point of the whole. thing. Yeah,
0: that's kind of the point of it. Um,
1: I said film noir. Films noir.
0: And and yeah, again, like I said, like I got more of a '30s gangster thing from this, but again, like just kind of seeing all those elements come together with that. Um, the importance of the family, which is so central to Indian filmmaking. Um, and I think like, yeah, making it his dad who has to shoot him in the end, like it's just it's so it's so bittersweet. Yeah. It was so oh, yeah, I liked this one.
1: I mean, you could carve a good half hour out of it. Yeah. But uh, you know, it ended really strong.
0: Yeah, these are both like two hours and twenty minutes. So I don't want to say that like they're not super long compared to other, other films
1: especially from classic um, stuff
0: but para- compared to like the Hollywood movies that we're used to that are in this mode like they're, those are like a solid 90 minutes I think Detour which I mentioned at the top because we recently watched it was it, like, like slightly a- over an hour yeah it was
1: 65 minutes um,
0: those like, movies get in and out <laughs> yeah,
1: the, the actual noirs they did not take their time
0: yeah they're like 80-90 minutes
1: what I find about these 40s and 50s ones that I've seen is that there are not very many subplots yeah, and not as many comedic characters. Which, if you're watching a three hour long '70s one, there's typically a ton of subplots happening. There's always lots of stuff. Yeah. going on. Whereas this, it's a fairly straightforward story. And this
0: was even more straightforward than Kismet because, yeah. like, we didn't have anything with like a sister and her love interest. Or like, this was really like yeah, there was down the line. To,
1: that's about it. Yeah. But like, yeah, like I feel like. The the length, once they get to the 70s, they get better at having enough story interest and in other things, mm-hmm. whereas this this story is quite simple. I don't know if it necessarily needed to be two and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. It could have been an hour or shorter. So, I mean, I'm not telling them how to make the movie. It obviously did very well, but... Uh, I
0: couldn't find as much on... Like, Kismet, um, I found a lot on... Um, the couple of books that we have on our shelves that I always pull out when we do more classic or iconic Bolly films, just kind of see what's written about them. there. obviously both touch on Kismet, but n- neither of them touched on St. Uh, so I, I honestly couldn't find too much about this movie. I think there were only six other people who had logged it on Letterboxd, which is too bad because I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I think, I think if you're a fan of 1930s gangster movies, like if you like,
1: Bombay Velvet?
0: <laughs> yeah, if you like Bombay Velvet. But if you like, like, like Cagney and the original Scarface and stuff, like, I would watch this for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, there's also a part where they're in inner tubes. You never see James Cagney in an inner tube. And that was that was,
0: was that cute. was where I started to wonder did I choose bad yeah. movies for this or not like They're movies a lovely not movies I thought that were the quality was bad but movies that I thought maybe didn't go with the aims or the goals of this annual episode that was
1: interesting though because the lead actress was in a swimsuit and yes I don't know if I'd ever seen that in anything prior to the 70s so mm-hmm. you know um, it just goes to show that you can't see everything and you'll never know anything that's the beauty about movies. There's always more of them. Yes. Anyway, uh, that's no more. Remember one of the. Yeah, new I new think new Wars unfortunately Wars. we
0: don't have too much to to get into or to say about these movies, but, but a, we this did this really enjoy. We found
1: a supplier who had two of them. Subs were good. Movies were in good shape. We could see what was happening. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to all the other more members, where it's a comedy of errors trying to figure out where the <laughs> goddamn file is. This one was, you know. Nice and easy. Yeah,
0: I will say that I think my favorites of this series are still Bazzi and CID. We kind of yeah. like really front-loaded the best stuff, but I'm glad we I'm glad we caught up with these, and we'll
1: and see, see what we
0: get to next year.
1: I can also see how these sort of films lead to Bazzi and CID because oh yeah, for sure. Bazzi is very similar to yeah, these two for sure, and then CID uh, that's probably. Uh, more in the um, post-gangster stuff in the states, where it was a lot of like, well, they're not letting us show all these gangsters be violent anymore. But if it's G-men doing it, it's fine. So oh, yeah. it's like cops and uh, you know government guys blasting people away, and that's totally cool. Yeah, because you're just making crime pay less for every individual guy who gets shot.
0: All right, that's the end of this episode. Uh, we will be back in a couple weeks and we are going to be kind of picking up uh an idea we had a couple of months ago uh because we enjoyed Mard so much we want to catch up with some more and we loved emaric Branthony. we want to catch up with some more man mohan desai films so our next episode is going to be on man mohan desai i think for sure we're going to watch cooley and another one because those are long
1: yeah
0: in the meantime matt how can people keep up the show
1: at BollywoodPod, at mad underscore B-O-W-E-S, at Erin E. Fraser for now. Let's see if Twitter's around next that, week. Uh, That's also my letterbox handle. Yeah. Our Tumblr is now never going to die. It's always going to be there. So <laughs> Bollywood is for Our Facebook regrettably still continues to exist.
0: Yes, if you're a fan of this show, uh, please consider leaving us a star rating and a review. Uh, it really helps us out, and then you can collect some biffle points. Uh, I do another show with Paul Mawichok called Trash Right in the Movies. We just recorded an episode on, like, macabre families. So, the Adams Family, Family Values, and Our Snick and Old Lace. You've never seen Our Snick and Old Lace before. And it had a oh, surprising, yeah. like, similarity to one of the films we watched. Yeah, so, that was weird. Uh, yeah. Uh, Long Lost Son, who... Is he going to return? And he does. And he's a criminal. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Something in the 1940s. A lot of guys coming back having changed their names and done crimes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no one looked like Boris Karloff in these movies, though. Uh, we also want to thank... Edward G. Robinson. <laughs> That's true. We also want to thank... Uh, well, I'm Peter Laurie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we also want to thank uh, Becca Dalkey for our artwork. Tuffy's the best boy.
1: Yeah. While Tuffy would wear a beret and definitely wears a scarf, I don't think he would do crimes. <laughs> That's good. I don't
0: think he'd smoke either.